Hey, Mike Ulmer here. The great Mark Pettipaw lent me this space to remind you that now is a great time to write your nonfiction book. I've interviewed 10,000 people. I've written 19 books, and I want to help you write yours. Here's how we do it. First, we interview you. Then we give you a detailed step-by-step blueprint for your book based on that interview. We write your thousand-word introduction, throw in some cover ideas, and suggest a title. And here's the best part. We assign a writer to help you answer all your questions for a calendar year. You're going to be so sick of us. Click the link, I want to write my book, in Mark's show notes for a free consultation. At the very least, we'll help you find your story and send you on your way free of charge. Now it's on to lessons in leadership from the stockroom to the boardroom with my friend, Mark Pettipa. Okay, good evening and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast, episode number three. The guests just keep getting better, probably because I started with myself. And then Richard Petty, and now we have the amazing Kate Burness on this evening. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by the Mark Pettipaw Group, because when you can't find a sponsor, sponsor your own show. Um, so here we go. We've got Kate Burness tonight. Before I, uh, I pass it over to Kate for her uh, version of her intro, I'd like to take a, an attempt. Kate uh, is from Port Perry, Ontario, a close friend of my wife, and an MC at our wedding is where I should probably start the bio and did an amazing job. Kate, as you know from TSN, has worked on TSN Olympic Morning, March Madness, Craft Celebration Tours, Grey Cups, Raptors, and you probably know her best from Sports Center. What you don't know about her is a story of how hard she worked to get there, and that's what I'm looking forward to having her share tonight. Also, a fan services part-time rep at BMO Field, if I'm not mistaken. And when I was running the General Motors Center doing Rogers Cable for the Oshawa Generals, if I remember correctly. Kate, thank you for joining the show. So listening to that bio, does that mean you were my boss twice in the in the past? I'm pretty sure that's what I just got out of that. I think I was a couple levels removed because I don't think you would have listened to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, oh, honestly, th- I'm doing amazing. And uh, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I know that you were the first, I mean, you, you're kind of, I, I don't think you should, you know, totally dispel yourself. You're a great guest. I mean, but why do I have to follow up Richard Petty? Couldn't, couldn't I have at least started? I feel like that's big shoes to fill. Well, I was teasing Richard because he came on the show and I said, thank you so much for doing this. He goes, I'm honored to be your first guest. I said, yeah, but no pressure. We have like a big TV star coming on after you. <laughs> so there goes the I don't know about that. LSC, right? Oh my I, goodness. I, to answer that question, I thought you were, you were a great guest just because I see how hard you've worked to get to where you're at. Um, I know you a little bit personally. I see what a great person you are. And it's usually not a, a coincidence that someone who works hard and is a good person does well in life. And so the point of these podcasts are just to share your story with others because they may be stuck. They may need to get unstuck. Um, and, and I believe, you know, Richard made me read a book called Leadership Engine by Noel Tishi. Big part of that was a teachable point of view. And I believe adults like to learn by hearing stories of others. So here we go. And I'd love to share. So what did I miss in your bio that maybe you'd like to bring up? Um, I think the biggest thing in that bio is that you're just, is that beer, by the way? Should I be going to get myself a beer for this podcast? It's, it's all water and I'm not sponsored uh, yet. <laughs> you will be soon, my friend. Hope so. um, I think, I think the only thing, especially, and I speak more to obviously, um, university, age students, a little bit more now with uh, the, I know we're going to talk a little bit more for Mark and her strength now, now speaking more with women's groups, but 
Um, I think the thing that I always tell people is that I, I just wanted to be an athlete. I thought the greatest job in the entire world was to get a sport, to play a sport and to be paid for it. So um, I think whenever I'm talking about my bio, I think the core of it is growing up in a small town and playing every sport under the sun with your wife and just loving every single day and knowing that whatever I ended up doing in life, because I soon realized that I wasn't going to make it in the pros, I, I knew I had to figure out a way to do what I loved. So I think that that is one of the key things that you can never really write in a bio when you're doing events or, you know, logging on to tsn.ca. Thanks for sharing that because, yeah, I, looking in your bio, Kate, and I want to talk about that, and I do want to talk about Hermark as well, but, you know, you made a pivot. From my understanding of what I saw in that bio, and I didn't know this before reading the bio about you, was uh, you damaged your ACL in grade 12. You had a dream to be in the WNBA. You got cut by a CIS team, I'm assuming because of the injury. Um, but you knew what you want to do, which would be associated with sports. Um, well, and I think too, like learning something like that at a young age, right? Like having a significant injury and let's all be honest here. I was not good enough. Like I wasn't probably good enough to make it to CIS, let alone to make it to the WNBA. So like that was like such a stretch, but what, I, but again, like what I did know and what I was very thankful for is I knew at a young age, my passion, I knew that this was the thing that, that you know, made me happy every single day. This was the thing that, you know, I would watch and read and learn and listen and I could do it a million times over and never get sick of it. So um, the injury sucked, yes, but it also made me probably work harder at a younger age career-wise because I immediately couldn't play the sport anymore because what was happening to my body. So I had to figure out a way to actually make this into a sustainable life. And that's what I did. And you went after it. Um, and you know, people who don't know your story, so I, I'd like you to share maybe some of the progression. Um, <laughs> because you know, you did you did come from, you know, the glamorous fan services division at BMO. Yep, I mean working for the greatest no general deal. manager ever, but ever. <laughs> um, no, you 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 know, I, I remember seeing it to General Motors Center and then you went to H like I'm not gonna tell the story. You you tell us a little bit about those steps and what it took to get there. And you know what's funny too, like, you know, we say, okay, fan services, but at that time too, when I was in, you know, low twenties, I, I just wanted any job in sport because I think the more you can diversify yourself uh, in whatever field it may be, it's going to help you in the long run. Like for example, too, like working the Raptor games now as a sideline reporter, some of those experiences I had at fan services back in the, you know, I forget how long ago it was now for goodness. It was, well, I don't know, at least what it, it was six Oh seven. Right. I mean, certain things help me kind of get around the arena and do things like that today. So it's amazing how much is interconnected. Um, but once I did blow my ACL and I figured out, I, I loved the NBA from the day I can remember. My grade six photo, in a word of a lie, I'm wearing a Kobe Bryant jersey. So I knew that I just really wanted to work basketball. I had to figure a way, out a way to do basketball, but probably realized in the beginning, I live in Canada. It's a hockey country. I might have to do a little hockey, which was fine too. So the first thing I did was I applied to every place I possibly could for an internship, TSN, Sportsnet, The Score, you name it. And it was actually Sportsnet uh, that gave me my first internship. And I ended up uh, just doing like a little summer internship. And uh, the lady that had hired me was going on maternity leave. So she was booking travel and doing expenses for all their on-air talent. So again, at 22 years old, I think to myself, no problem, I'm going to go do this job. 
one of the anchors is going to get sick one night and I'm going to be ready to go. So this is like my grand plan at the time. <laughs> Mark, I don't want to burst the bubble on this story. That never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the best thing that did happen was a boss I had there, his name was Stu Aker, looked at me one day and he said, if you're really serious about being on air and doing this job, because I knew being a sportscaster seemed so amazing. He's like, you, you have to leave. You have to leave here. And I thought, what are you talking about? I already have a full-time job at Sportsnet. This, that doesn't even make sense. That was the best advice he ever gave me. He offered me a job to stay once my, her maternity leave was done. And I declined it. And I went and worked for free at Rogers TV instead. So my parents thought that this was, they always just preached, have a black backup plan, have a backup plan, which was cool. Um, but I knew, I knew I could do it. And I knew that I had enough drive and enough determination, enough passion to do it. So I remember going to Rogers TV and just absolutely falling in love with it. I was reporting like, oh my goodness, the sports I was reporting at that point. I always joke that I was reporting hopscotch, but I wasn't. <laughs> Uh, it was like, you know, high school, volleyball, basketball, track and field, football. Um, but I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And to this day, I swear I put as much into those as I do into what I do with the Raptors, for example. Um, I finally got hired on by Rogers TV after volunteering for a couple of years. I think I was paid like 11 bucks an hour and I was part time. So that was 20 hours a week. And I thought I was rich, like full blown rich. <laughs> Um, it didn't last long. I was only on staff for about six months in a position opened in Barrie, Ontario. And I went up, I applied, I got the job. And three months into that stint in Barrie, I got a phone call um, from my former boss at TSN. And he said, uh, would you be interested in coming down for an audition? I didn't even know what that meant. But I was like, well, this sounds cool. <laughs> I didn't even know what was happening. I literally remember phoning Jody on my Blackberry. And I went down, I had the worst interview of my entire life because I think I was just so shell-shocked by the entire thing. And I thought, there's no way I'm ever getting this job. And I had to come back the next day and do an audition for Sports Center. And when I had that idea that I just bombed the interview so hard, um, I went onto that desk and I thought to myself, well, this is gonna be the last time I'm gonna be on the Sports Center desk. So I'm just gonna like go and tear it up and have a great time. And I remember, I don't know, they did like a mini 15 minute sports cast and probably about 10 minutes into it, I was like, this is the most fun I can ever imagine having. And uh, at the end of the show, I was like, I think that show's all right. And then they brought up Rod Smith and then I definitely knew something was up. And then uh, after it, I saw my former boss at the bottom of the stairs and he goes, that's exactly what I wanted to see. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I think I might've got the job. <laughs> and that was... was and that was uh, back in 2009. So that was uh, almost 11 years ago now. Now, was that the former boss you're referring to from Sportsnet? No, no, that was a completely different boss. No, Stu, uh, Stu left Sportsnet. And I wish to this day that I, I knew where he was because I would, I would thank him. Um, because, you know, little pieces of advice throughout your career really resonate. And I tell that story uh, to kids in, in journalism school all the time. So I'm, I'm writing this stuff down because I want to do a summary after. So that's amazing. Okay, okay. Be doing that. You can tell I'm not a professional like you are. Uh, not yet, not yet. Um, it's funny you mentioned uh, Jody there. As Jody, I just remember she told me to remind you that she has the first Rogers headshot that you gave to her. <laughs> by the way, you gave her a Ron Burgundy Stay Classy, just so you know. 
and I put it on her fridge because I was like, well, one day I might sign headshots. Oh my gosh, I hope my parents never see that. And uh, yeah, I did. I went and I got photos done uh, for my Rogers TV days. And I'm sure my hair was like this long and blonde. And wow, yeah, that was something. She made me call you out. I didn't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, no, good on her. You know what? I deserve to be called out on that one. That's for sure. That's hilarious. Some of the uh, some of the points that we touch on with some of the other guests, some of the other guests, Richard and me so far. Yeah, um, there's three of us. <laughs> is a transferable skill set. So, you know, yeah. what do you think is the piece that allowed you to go after all those roles and be successful? Uh, you know, it equates to everything in life. And it's not just, you know, sports casting or what, whatever you do. Um, I have a few rules of life. I mean, hard work is just the easiest, the easiest one. But I think there's so many people out there that have, that, that work hard, that have a really good work ethic. Um, and especially in something like TV where you're working different hours, you're, you're traveling a lot, you're doing different things. Um, you just have to be you have to be willing to give it your all. And that's transferable to anything in life, whether you're working on, you know, a really tough relationship or, um, you know, if, you know, you're just going through problems. I mean, hard work at everything, I think is just so absolutely key. Uh, attitude is a massive one for me. Uh, I've never been a fan in my life of anyone who's an energy vampire, as I like to call them. So I, I want to be around positive people all the time. And I truly think that I'm, an, like, that I'm a pretty positive person as well. Um, and life's too short not to, right? It's, um, it, it's not, I mean, TV, as we say too, it's not rocket science. And at the end of the day, I just want to kind of show that to all the viewers too, that this is fun. Sports are an escape. Um, but I don't just do that in television. I do that with everything else in my life as well, whether it be family or friends. I hope I show up and it's a good energy and a good vibe. Um, and I think too, you know, just you, you got to be compassionate too. You can't be totally, um, you can't be totally into yourself 24 seven. I mean, I, I obviously work in a very, you know, you have to have an ego to be on TV. Let's all be honest here. But I think to have compassion um, for, your, for your coworkers, for your family, for your friends, for everyone around you, I think that that's been a real big key as well. Awesome. Hard work, attitude, and compassion. Attitude and compassion. Yep. yep. So, so one of the other things that seems to carry over, and I want to get into leadership here just in a little bit, and I want to be conscious of your time. So if you can hang on for another 10 minutes, I know you have a previous commitment, and I appreciate that. So I'm watching it. I'm going to rush it's to all get good. in here. All good. Um, I want to talk about Hermark in a little bit in the context of leadership. So I'm going to park that just for another moment. Um, yeah. But one of the things I heard in Richard's story that, again, interviewing people I thought I knew um, that I didn't know was, you know, he didn't graduate high school. Wow. And he went on to be, you know, the CEO of one of the biggest North American sports entertainment companies. He went back to university, got a degree at University of Windsor. He's part of a leadership program that he sponsors there. Um, but he had that initial hurdle in life and he had support by how he was raised by his parents to get him through that and have his back. Do you have any stories of failure and personal influence that allowed you to get through those that you'd be comfortable sharing? No, yeah. I mean, failure is, um, failure I think is so incredibly key. Um, I tend to revert back to sports all the time when it comes to failure because, I don't, if you don't fail, you don't succeed. You can't tell me one athlete, you can't tell me, you know, one GM, whatever it may be, um, that don't screw that, you know, you don't screw up along the way somewhere. 
Um, I would say I failed out of my first year of university, out of kinesiology at the University of Western Ontario. And I mean, it, at the time, I, I just, I, I was lost. Um, I thought that I was getting into gym class, basically. I didn't, I didn't understand that this is science. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I ended up going back home and going to the University of Ontario Institute of Technology. And it gave me a chance to kind of find myself. And it gave me a chance to, um, you know, understand what I needed to do to get sports back into my life. So that's really the first time I had failed at anything. Um, and, I, and I didn't understand because I was academically normally pretty good. I just absolutely sucked that year at a lot of things um, in life, in, in academics. So I think that whole year put into motion the rest of my life, honestly. <clears throat> and then UIT, I end up going there. I get a business degree of all things. Um, but I was in marketing. And what that allowed me to do was... I actually learned how to market myself in a weird kind of way. And I did all these presentations on the XFL and I'm doing one on like Pam Oliver and I would love oral presentations. So I started really loving school again because it allowed me to just focus in on what I was good at. And that's speaking to a crowd um, and researching things I liked. So UIT was awesome. They gave me my undergrad and then no word of a lie, now this is a doctorate, so there you go. Nice. nice. I mean, it's an it's an honorary, but let's just uh, let's just uh, let's just say what it is. Are you? Uh, do you have any um, personal influences through those failures or through your successes? That again, speaking of transferable skill set, transferable people through your life. You know, I always tell the story of my mom and dad. My mom was right. the life of the party outgoing, wanted to make sure everyone was comfortable, serve others first, which is where that servant leadership tendency is so important for me. And dad was the disciplinarian, right? Like dad was the military guy. And, and that seemed to follow me all, all through my career, those personal characteristics of my mom and dad. Anything from friends, family that you see as a theme that's helped you be successful? Yeah, 100% would be my mom and my dad too. Uh, they were both teachers. And very, very different too. My dad is the one I get all my confidence from. My dad is the greatest public speaker I've ever seen in my whole life. And better than can, Chris, better than Chris May. I, I'm just, okay, maybe <laughs> right up there, right up there, right up there with Chris May, like one, two, like they're so close. Yeah. Um, but um, Johnny B, as we call him, he can engage a crowd and bring people in. He was a conductor. And he would get up there and I remember watching him as a kid thinking, oh my goodness. And then by the end, like when I was in high school, I used to help with some of his stuff and I'd get on the microphone and do it. And it was just, I feel like I got all of that from my dad, that love of, of people and like public speaking and, and everything that came along with it. Um, my mom and my dad, don't get me wrong, worked hard too. My mom's work ethic is unlike anything I've seen in my life. And my mom is, and she wouldn't admit this, she's, she's brilliant. Um, she's not only a wonderful human being, but she is so gifted and I'm not half as gifted. My sister's got the gifted side, <laughs> um, but my mom, between her work ethic and her smarts, it's just, it's so admirable. And now, especially as an adult, you can really, really appreciate it. So I think between watching the two of them and the way they operated when I was a kid, that's pretty much everything I needed. 
Yeah, there's, there's a common denominator that I see in really successful leaders like yourself and the other people I've spoken to is that influence is somewhere. Um, and it's yeah. usually in your upbringing and it's something that you're not consciously seeing until you start to mature, get older and look in the rearview mirror and go, oh, yeah, maybe, oh. That's, maybe, maybe that's a part of who I am and why I'm that way. So that's awesome. And, and great shout out to your mom and dad. Um, two last things. Uh, one, yep. I, I, from a leadership perspective, tell us a little bit about her mark why you're so passionate about it and where it came from and, and what you're trying to accomplish. So as we keep talking about myself and your wife, Jody, uh, we used to play sports as, uh, as kids. And I think growing up in a small town too, sports, sports gave us everything, um, you know, from friendship to, you know, that, that base of, you know, understanding how to take constructive criticism um, you know, learning how to be successful, learning how to fail in life as well. And uh, I, I was very lucky to be a confident kid, I would say. And I didn't really care even when I got to like, you know, 16, 17. I mean, Jody might say this a little differently when I got to about 17. I cared about picking up the boys, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> there was like, a, there, I still cared more about basketball than I did about, you know, other things, but I never really fell into the social pressures either. But I saw it wholeheartedly even as a kid um and i always felt it was incredibly sad that you know and especially now like this was back in the day before social media and and all these apps and whatever it may be um and i just i really hate seeing girls drop out of sports it bothers me to no end and i think women's sports that we're coming along uh, we're better than we were five years ago, better than we were 10 years ago. We still need another like five, 10 years to get to where I think that they need to be. Um, but I think it's really critically important for girls to see um, other older successful females um, who have just stuck with it, who have stuck with their dreams, who have, you know, no matter what you go through, what kind of pressures you go through, coming out the other side can be just the most awesome thing in the entire world. So when I was thinking, I was like, okay, when I was a young girl, I would have loved to have met some really amazing Canadian female athletes, right? Like I didn't see them on TV. We didn't showcase them at all. So we have the most amazing female Olympians in this country. And through my job, TSN has given me so much and a platform to meet these women. Hold on, my AirPod fell out. Um, but I thought to myself, these women want to be involved. They want to mentor younger girls. So I thought, okay, what is a way that I can bring this all together? Something that I would have loved as a, as a teenager and something that will be impactful to this generation. So I called up literally all the Olympian friends that I know. And I said, I want to do this day. I want to bring in some girls that are 15 to 18 years old, really formidable years. And I want them to come and meet you guys and you guys to take them through some exercises. We're going to do some, like, some sessions, some groups, talks together do a nutrition part and then bring in like a big key speaker. My first year it was Kia nurse, for example. And I just want to inspire these girls to stay on the path that they're currently on so that one day they can turn into amazing female leaders. So that was four years ago. Um, we've had over 500 girls come through the program now and they had to nominate to come in and show us why they deserve to come in. And I'm not lying to you, Mark, when I say it is the greatest thing that I have ever had the opportunity to do in my career. It will be the best thing I ever get to do in my career. And I hope when I'm retired, when all of this is said and done, I am far more remembered for her mark than I ever am for TSN because 
these these girls that come through this program it's literally the greatest thing ever well that's amazing i know uh i know it's awesome to be able to leave a legacy piece and for you to be able to you know hopefully long term accomplish that and be working on it now i, I could see the pride just in the way you speak to it. So good for you, that's amazing. We need uh, more people doing good things to make this a better world to live in. And from a father with a daughter in basketball and Audrey, and I gotta give her Oakville Venom a shout out here. Uh, you know, <laughs> she went from uh, house league in her first year and all of a sudden into rep um, and the coaching's tremendous and the girls are tight. And for them to be able to, to your point, have, have athletes to look up to and stay inspired and stay competitive, whether they become high level athletes or not. Oh. But as, the learning you get from team sports is just incredible in life. And so for you to be able to provide that at, a, at another level is tremendous. So I'm sure. Well, and I think the thing too, is like the, these female athletes too. Um, yeah. Are they amazing at sports? Oh my God. They're like, they're unreal at what they do in their crafts, um, but they're amazing people. And I think that that part of it's far more important to show these girls, right. than you know, they're like, they're not like snooty, you know, pro athletes or whatever it may be. And there, there's a huge discrepancy between male pro athletes and female pro athletes. I mean, females don't make, gosh, they don't make a tenth of the money that the men do. And, um, you know, they're just down to earth. They're humble human beings. So uh, I can't, I can't wait. Like I get more excited. It was too bad this year with COVID. We had Tessa Virtue coming this year. It was going to be amazing, but honestly, next year, bigger, better, and I can't, Audrey is, she is a hundred percent in. She is so coming to it. Oh, that'd be amazing. I didn't, I didn't bring that up for that reason, but I know. Uh, no, she, no, I'm she, serious. I'd love to have her. I mean, a special preferential treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then I'm going to put the pressure on her not to let me okay. down. No, I'm there you just go. Teasing. There you go. <laughs> well, 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 listen, I know you got to go for a, for a professional commitment here in a couple minutes. Any words of wisdom you'd leave for the up and coming Kate Burness is going through the same journey you're, you did? Uh, I would say just stick with it. I mean, it's so easy. Um, it's so easy to give up and do what's easy. And I always say that to people too. Um, if it was easy, everyone would do it. I mean, that's the most, that's the simplest thing in life. And I, I keep saying it. I know it. And I know a lot of people work hard and, you know, I, I speak to a lot of young, young journalists and I know there's not a lot of jobs, obviously in my profession, for example. Um, but if you stick with it and you stick with your passion and you can differentiate yourself in some particular way, you're going to be successful. And it may not be the exact thing that you set out to be. I set out to be a WNBA player. I did not become a WNBA player, but I in turn now cover a team that I have loved since 1995 and got sprayed in the face with champagne in their championship celebration. So no, did I live out to be the dub? No, but I'm pretty sure I got the next best thing. And it's a pretty great life. And I don't, I don't regret any of it. So I think the thing is, is you may have to do a few pivots here and there, but if you stick to that core, if you stick to what you love and you keep working, then that's the best advice I can possibly get it, give anyone. Tremendous way to end this. Uh, you know, it's how you deal with that pivot. But as long as you're going towards what you're passionate about, your dream's gonna end up in one direction or the other, someone related, if you, somewhere related if you work hard and chase it. So uh, you are living proof of that. First of all, thank you um, just for being a good friend and doing this for me. I really appreciate it. Um, Anytime, so, anything for you, Mark, you you're, know that. You're awesome. <laughs> I know you're not doing this for your brand, so I don't know how many million viewers will be watching this. But uh, the, the ability to share the story with those people who are paying attention to the podcast is invaluable. So thank you, Kate. Really appreciate it. And uh, keep well, up the fantastic work. 
And congratulations for you doing this because I know you've pivoted and I think this is so awesome. So you should be incredibly proud and you know, I'll always support it. Thanks, Kate. Appreciate it. Have a tremendous night. Thank you. You too. Thank you.